You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from the sermon series, Don't Get It Twisted. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Hey, uh, yeah, I, you know, let's not forget, uh, you know, why we are afforded uh, you know, a three-day, for some, a four-day weekend. It's because of those we remember uh, on the day tomorrow who uh, is, gave their life for our freedom. So I want to encourage you just to uh, uh, take a moment today and say thank you, uh, Father God, uh, for those who uh, sacrificed uh, for our freedom. They're not forgotten. And there's no better way to celebrate them than ice cream cookie sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, uh, it's a good-looking crowd today. You guys glad to be here? Yeah. Uh, I want to welcome everyone in-house and welcome. There's a number of people watching, watching us online. Uh, again, the Perry family, some of my uh, favorite people with the last name Perry, watching from Oregon, my mom, probably my sister, Tammy C., Mr. Mack, you got the time right uh, after asking me about it. Um, who else? Hannah from Arizona. Uh, d- raise your hand if you know someone who's probably watching online right now. All right, we're going to look at that corner camera over there, and we're all going to make some noise and wave to let them know we love them. So make some noise. It's an honor to have each and every one of you here because you are loved. You're probably loved more than you realize, even those of you watching at home or maybe you're on vacation or whatever you're doing. Thank you for being here. It's an honor and a blessing to have you with us as well. Uh, I was thinking about this series that we're in now, and it got me thinking about a couple of more things. We're not going to necessarily extend our Don't Get It Twisted series, but I'm going to be talking about two more things that you know, we, we tend to believe culturally, but it's not accurate. So one of them we're going to look at in the next two weeks is it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody, and it doesn't matter what you believe. Does our belief really matter? So we'll be looking at those over the next two weeks. And if you know, I want to encourage you, if you are able, please join us in person or online. Today we're going to continue our series, Don't Get It Twisted. Don't get it twisted. Verse is taken out of context, or a belief held that, you know, on something that really, even though a lot of people believe the scripture say it, in reality, God never said it. God never said it. To kick off today, let me ask you this question. How how many times or have you ever prayed for something that you really wanted? That you really, really wanted and you prayed to God for it and it didn't happen. And it got, you got so frustrated with God that you said, Well, hey, you said, you said, God, that you would do whatever I ask in the name of Jesus, and you didn't do it. Why didn't you answer my prayer? I did it just like you asked me to do. And what I want to do today is look at the very words of Jesus himself. The very words, the very words, you know, 
that if you ask in the name of Jesus, if you ever prayed that in the name of Jesus from John 14, verses 14 and 15, I believe it's a commonly misused verse in the Bible. And Jesus said this, John chapter 14, verse 13. And I will do what? Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for what? anything in my name and what will happen I will do it for those who are visiting or are newer whenever you see something bolded and underlined that is your invitation to read it along with me out loud verbally so if you pray in the name of Jesus and have you know enough faith if you just have enough faith and pray in the name of Jesus you know in the name of Jesus I'm going to get that job in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get the most likes on Instagram talking to those under 30. <laughs> the reality is you gotta, you, you know, you're going to get them if you pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I am going to win the lottery. <laughs> you have to win, right? I mean, that's what it says. Ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. I mean, it's in the Bible and just because, you know, Jesus said it, you know, it has to come true. And that's what many people believe. I mean, how many of us have prayed for someone to be healed and they weren't healed? I mean, some stand on this verse claiming, you know, this verse for themselves and they refuse to seek any treatment. No, listen, I don't need to go to the doctor. Jesus is going to heal me because I believe he's going to heal me in his name. I prayed for it. And then they refuse treatment and tragically... They don't make it. But I prayed in the name of Jesus. I prayed with great faith. I asked in the name of Jesus that they would be healed. So one would say, obviously, if that didn't happen, this verse can't be true. It didn't work. Obviously, one would think, this is not what Jesus is actually saying. Or, or have we just gotten it twisted? In our understanding and our application of what Jesus is actually saying, have we twisted it a little bit? Today, again, give you a very basic version of how we learn from God's Word. How we learn uh, to interpret Scripture. Three th uh, simple thoughts. I said this last week. There's two types of study. There's exegesis and isogesis. Exegesis is drawing the truth out of the text. Letting the text speak. And isogesis is reading into the text what you want to see. And we, we typically do this when we want to put ourselves in the text. There's three forms of, of understanding Scripture. Um, there's understanding the context, just not what the verse says, but what's coming before, after, who wrote it, to whom it was written, and the overall theme and the message of that passage or that Scripture. There's also, you know, we, we interpret Scripture with other Scripture. Another way to understand the Bible is with the Bible. It's amazing how that works. Not to take one verse and build an entire theology on it because then you may find yourself down the road either forming a cult or joining a cult based on what you think it says and means. You take a verse and you see what other verses say about it. 
about that similar uh, theme and you know you, you build theology over the consistency of the entire the whole of scripture written by the authors who were inspired by the Holy Spirit by the day we celebrate Pentecost on this day 50 days after Easter and then we apply what we learn Creekside Church is an application church we just don't we're not just hearers of the word we are doers of the word not so much a text to be studied, but a, a, it, it is God's love letter to each and every one of us to be lived out. So, there's kind of seminary in a box for everybody. That's what I want to do today. That's what I want to do when we look at John chapter 14. The words of Jesus. You can have whatever you ask for in my name. You can have whatever you ask for in my name. First, we have to understand the context. Then we have to interpret Scripture with other Scripture. Then we apply what we learn. Let's begin with the context. Who wrote the book of John? John. 20 of you. <laughs> Let's try this again. Who wrote the book of John? John? You guys are, oh, yeah, I love it. Main theme of John. John was trying to prove Jesus is the Son of God. This is the overarching theme, uh, arching theme of the book of John. It says, John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1. Uh, 1, 1. Then, in John 1, verse 14, it says, The Word uh, became human and made His home among us. The main theme of John was proving Jesus is the Son of God. That's the main theme. What is the context of John 14? So if the main theme of the entire book is to prove that Jesus is the Son of God, what's the overall context in the main theme of John chapter 14? We looked at one of the verses, but let me give you a 30,000 kind of foot overview, 30,000 foot overview of this whole chapter of John 14. John chapter 14 begins with Jesus saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going away to prepare a place for you with more than enough room for all of you. Don't you worry. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When I go away, it will only get better for you. I am sending you the Holy Spirit who will dwell within you. The main theme of John chapter 14 is not about prayer. It's not about prayer, but about the preparation that Jesus is making for us. The context of the book of John, prove Jesus is the Son of God. The context of John chapter 14 is, is not prayer, but preparation. Preparation that Jesus is, is going to make. So, with that understanding, here's what I'd like to do. Let's reread a portion of that verse that we read earlier, but this time I want to shift our perspective I want us to look at it from a different camera angle. From ourselves, shift it from looking at it our, you know, our, from ourselves being the main theme or the main character in that text to God being the main character in that text. Because he's always the main character in the Bible. Not us. So I want to read it with that context and that understanding that we're shifting our perspective from us being the main character to God being the main character. Jesus said this, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that 
Why is he going to do this? So the Father will be glorified in His Son. The reason that God answers prayer is not what God does for me. It's not what God does for you. The reason God answers prayer is so that God and God alone will be glorified. When we read this, uh, when we read this not seeing ourselves as the main subject of the Bible, but God as the main subject, we recognize that there is a, a much different purpose, a much different purpose for our prayers than what many believe or realize. So why are we dealing with this today? Because I think this is arguably one of the top reasons that many people have walked away from God. God didn't do what I wanted Him to do. I've asked. I prayed. And God didn't answer my prayer. I prayed for it. He didn't do it. And it leads one to believe, so He must not be real, or worse, He doesn't care. People walk away from God because He didn't do what they wanted Him to do. Now that we understand the context, let's, let's, I want to take a few minutes to try and interpret Scripture with Scripture. In other words, what else does the Bible say about this? What else does you know, the Bible say about what God cares about when we pray? What does God care about when we pray? Four things we're going to look at this morning as we translate Scripture with Scripture. We're going to see what really matters to God. What really matters to God when we pray. The first thing that matters to God when we pray is your relationship. Your relationship matters. Your relationship with God matters. It says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And that's an amazing promise. But don't forget, when, you're stand, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, it says to do what? Forgive. forgive them. Forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. See, if you're praying and, and you're mad at someone, what he's saying is go to that person and deal with that person. Deal with that relationship before you continue praying. So based on that scripture, which is in Mark, it, it, our relationships must really matter to God. Our relationships with one another must really matter. God, I, I want a puppy in the name of Jesus, but I hate my brother. I can't stand my brother. I, th I think, you know, we all go to God and, and we, we ask Him to do some things even though we're being a little bit of an attitude Judy. <laughs> and then we're like shocked when there's no answer. Relationships with your brother matters. Relationships with your co-workers matter. Relationships with your classmates matter. Relationships with your parents matter. Relationships with your fellow brothers and sisters here at church matter. 
Relationships matter. First uh, John even says, I'm going through First John in my devotional studies, and I, I, I was reading this today. First John cannot, he's saying, you cannot say you love God, but hate your brother. It, it doesn't reconcile. And if, if I can, uh, by the way, we got Father's Day coming up, and I'm telling you, dads, if, if you're hearing me right now, you want to show up. We got some uh, pretty uh, amazing things in store for you as fathers, and we're going to do some things that we've never done before for Father's Day here. So I want to encourage you to be here. And there's bacon involved. So <laughs> it's true. But let me just talk to the husbands for a minute. And here's the rules. Wives, no elbowing, no side-eyeing, uh, no amens, no mm-hmm, that's right, nothing. Just you sit there and you look at me, all, wives, all eyes on me. But just sit there, and here's what I want you to do. Allow the power of God to do the work, okay? 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. And it says, as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. How can I apply this? If I'm being a jerk to my wife, Kristen, what might that do? It's going to hinder my prayers. It's going to hinder my, and eventually, I mean, evidently, it's true that your relationships matter with God. We've seen multiple verses talk about it. The second, what matters to God when you pray? Your motives matter. Your motives matter when you pray. I mean, it says when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with what? See, common in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees often you know, had the wrong motive. The Pharisees did. Praying to be seen. Praying to be heard. They would go out, you know, on the street and, and, and publicly pray these, uh, pray these elaborate prayers. And what happened? Jesus called them hypocrites. He called them hypocrites because why? They had the wrong motives. I mean, how, how many of you have been in junior high, you grew up in church, and you prayed for a cute girl to become your girlfriend? <laughs> just me? Am I just preaching to myself today? You pray for a cute girl to become your girlfriend, and, and it wasn't that. I had a purpose to it. I, I wanted to invite her to church so later on she would become a, a Christ follower. Missionary dating. I'm out there in the mission field. But here's the thing, if you, if you think about that, it sounds right, but it's oh so wrong, right? It sounds right, but it's the wrong motives. Or how many have said this, you know what? Hey, listen, God, oh, help me win the lottery and I'll tithe on it. <laughs> Anybody? Proverbs 15:2 says, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So by this, we can see that there are things that matter to God when we pray. Relationships matter to God. Your motives matter to God when you pray. 
The third thing is your faith matters. Your faith matters to God when you pray. James 1, 6-7 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to what? So evidently, your faith matters to God. Your faith moves the heart of God. Your faith. Jesus talked about a childlike faith, right? And those who have witnessed the power and the beauty when a, a, a child, when just a, a child, you know, puts their trust and their faith in Jesus. That's a special moment. There's power in that. You know, when my daughter was young, um, I loved listening to my daughter pray for her classmates, praying for someone to be healed, praying, you know, and, and not just, she wouldn't just pray. She would pray with boldness and with confidence, knowing, knowing her faith and her trust was in Jesus. And as my daughter was growing up, we, every night, and my wife and I still do this to this day, but we would pray for one another before we went to bed. And my daughter would always pray that Kristen and I would have a good sleep. I mean, it's evident that our faith matters to God when we pray. Our faith. I can't explain it, but it does. I mean, look at Matthew 9. It says, then Jesus touched their eyes and said, according to your what? Let it be done. According to your faith, let it be done. And their sight was restored. According to your faith. So our faith matters to God. So if relationships are good, if my motives are pure, if I have enough faith, then God has to do what I'm asking him to do, right? Well, here's the danger in that. And I touched on this last week. When we believe that, we tend to slip into what some call a prosperity gospel. You know, the name it and claim it, see it and be it, blab it and grab it. Kristen took one look at me and he says, in the name of Jesus, you will be my husband. And she blabbed it and she grabbed it. Not what happened. <laughs> if I just have enough faith, then it will be done. Here's the danger. In other words, this is what you're saying. It's up to me. It's up to me. It's based on my faith. It's up to me. And I'm not trying to make anyone who was raised in that way mad. Just walk with me for a moment here. You have to understand, yeah, our faith matters, our relationship matters, our motive matters, but here's one of the most important. God's will matters. God's will, his goodness, his sovereignty. God's will matters when we pray. John, who said you can have anything you want if you pray in the name of Jesus, also said this in 1 John, which is a great book, by the way. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. 
that if we ask anything, let's all say it together, according to His will. This strong is a little, I mean, this side's a little stronger today. <laughs> we cannot, you know, we can't just ask Him for whatever we want, demand that He does it for us. He's not our, like, uh, you know, cosmic butler at our beck and call. We just can't do that. That makes, God, that makes us God and not Him. Not our will be done, but His will. Not my will, but Thy will. That's what it's about. It says, according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. If we understand that, then what happens? Suddenly our main text, John 14, 14, might just make a little more sense uh, as we read it again when Jesus says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In other words, if we're, gonna, uh, if, we're, if we're gonna go to the Father and we're using the name of Jesus, then we need to ask something that's according to the will of God or we are discrediting, even worse, misusing the name of Jesus. Let me explain it this way. When you go before God and you use the name of Jesus, you have access to the creator of this universe. Access to the creator of everything. The very person, the very being that, is, that gave you breath to have life. You have access to the creator of the universe because Jesus gave us permission. Because of what Jesus did. He gives you the right to speak to the God that none of us deserve to talk to. And once that grips you, once that consumes you, once that understanding grips you, then suddenly you recognize using the name of Jesus is a tremendous privilege and responsibility. It's a privilege that I think we take for granted a lot and a responsibility that I think we take way too lightly. It's a privilege to enter into God's throne room because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you and me. Therefore, this is not, you know, this is, this is not a key to unlocking the lock to what I want. We need to come in honoring Jesus. The one who gave me access to the Father. God's will matters. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. So here's what happens. We pray, you know, we pray. Praying, praying, praying. Sometimes God does a miracle, and sometimes God doesn't do what we really wanted God to do. The heartbreaking reality is that too many people walk away from God because He didn't do exactly what they wanted Him to do. They didn't fix my marriage. God didn't fix my family. God's, you know, my, my kid is still making. Uh, poor and stupid decisions. I still have this overwhelming desire to spend money I don't have on stuff I really don't need. 
God's not stepping in and fixing all of my problems. And what do we do? Because that doesn't happen when God's not serving us and meeting our needs in a way that we want Him to, we check out. And we go and look for other ways to to fill that void in our life. I've shared this before, but I've been praying for my wife to be healed of diabetes all of our marriage. She hasn't been healed. And I get it. No, I literally got type 1 diabetes. Prayed for healing. Continued to pray. And we pray for each other's healing today. My diabetes keeps getting worse. I don't know why. But here's what I believe. I believe that God can heal. I believe that God will heal. And even if he doesn't heal, my wife and I are still going to believe. It's a choice. Why? Because my, my faith isn't based on him answering my prayers. My faith is based on Jesus being the Son of God and what He's done. My faith is not based on what I get out of it. My faith is based on Jesus and Him alone. Prayer isn't about getting what I want. Prayer is getting to know God and giving Him glory. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I know there's a lot of people that have struggled with a lot of significant issues in their life. Some of you are going through some things right now. And I'm not devaluing or discrediting someone going through cancer or somebody um, you know dealing with some kind of significant issue in their life when I say this if both my wife and I can be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and it didn't shake my faith then I know there's a large number of people in this room that have dealt with lesser things that have caused you to check out from your relationship with God The good news is our God is a forgiving God and our God is a God of second chances. He's a God who restores. He's a God who forgives. Even if we've been making our prayers all about ourselves. God help me. God fix me. God give me. God I want. Even if we made our faith the transactional 
whatever between us and God. God, you give me this, then I'll do this. We can come back to God and we can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making my prayer all about me. I'm sorry for not realizing what really matters to you when I pray. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning because I know it's been me. Father, we pray. Please forgive me of my selfishness. Lord, help me to cultivate a heart that is more attuned to the needs of others and it's in line with your divine purpose. Teach me, Father, to pray with humility. Teach me, Father, to pray with wisdom. Father, teach me to pray with a genuine concern for others. We pray that your Holy Spirit guides us in aligning our prayers with your will so that our requests may be in accordance with your perfect plan, Father. Father, grant me the grace to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, trusting that you will provide, that you will provide for my needs as I seek to serve others. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your unfailing love and your endless and boundless and limitless mercy. Father, I surrender my, my selfish desires, Father, to you, and I ask for your transforming power to mold me and shape me because of your grace. Now with everybody with a, a, a heart of prayer, we talked about what matters to God when we pray. Hear me. You matter to God. Every single one of us in this room matter to God. So much so that He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross to give us access into a real intimate relationship with the Creator of this universe. You matter to God. And I want to invite you to pray a prayer that matters. And if you've walked away from Jesus because you didn't get what you wanted out of it, or if you've never considered beginning a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your mind. You can say it out loud. But here's the thing. We just learned what matters to God when we pray. Our motives matter. Our motives matter. Pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you today with a humble heart because I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I need your forgiveness and I need your grace. I believe that you came into this world and I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again to save me from my sin. 
I confess with my mouth that you are the Son of God, and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. So, Jesus, right now, I invite you to lead my life. I surrender my will. I put my faith and I put my trust in you. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And I ask for your guidance and your strength to live a life that honors you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and thank you for your forgiveness. I trust in your promise and I ask for your Holy Spirit to dwell within me, to guide me in all truth and help me grow in my relationship with you in your precious name. Jesus, I pray. And all the church said, Now, if you made that decision today, whether to reconnect or start a relationship with Jesus, here's what I want you to do. One, I want you to tell somebody. This is not a relationship for you to be uh, living out on your own. We don't believe in a personal relationship with Jesus. We believe in a shared relationship with Jesus and others. And one of the things that we have for you, because we don't want you walking this alone, we have what we call I Said Yes to Jesus packet. You can get it from my friend, uh, who's that, Candy and Barb. You can go see Candy and Barb over there, and they'll give you this envelope. And in there is Welcome to the Kingdom Family Letter. We'll give you some next steps that you can take. We don't want you to walk this alone. We want to walk with you in this relationship. You can go see them right after service and pick up your yes packet. I said yes packet. Now with that said, I want to thank you guys for being here on Memorial Day weekend. You, you could have taken any you know, trip that you wanted. You could have slept in, whatever. But you chose to be here. But what if God purposed this? What if you were supposed to be here? Just take that into consideration as we go and enjoy some ice cream cookie sandwiches. And we're going to close in worship. But before we do, just remember, you can exit out these two doors, which you'll find a gate. Then you can exit into the field by those two gates. Two doors, gates. And then somewhere in between those, in front of the field, there's going to be a cream canopy set up for you to devour ice cream and cookies as I watch because I'm type 1 diabetic. And (laughs) nope, I'm eating some. That's what I'm doing. And and we got some games out there and we got some music. What we're doing is we're allowing you to pre-game your lunch. (laughs) We're pre-gaming our lunch. Amen?